Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to this special edition of Geek Town Radio. It's just me this week because we're post-Comic-Con. It was MCM Comic-Con down in London at the weekend. So we've been down there getting a lot of uh, videos and interviews and uh, millions of cosplay photos. If you want to go and see those, they're up on the Instagram, which is uh, Instagram Geek Town UK. But uh, yeah, as usual, when we go down to the show, we get to talk to a lot of people. So we've got a lot of interviews that are up in video form up on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash geektown. Because I know a lot of people listen to the show while they're driving, we've converted some of these into audio formats so you can listen to them on your way to work and uh, whatever else you're doing when you're in the car. So um, I've picked out three interviews for you. The first one is with Kari Payton and Cooper Andrews from The Walking Dead. That's King Ezekiel and the lovable, wonderful Jerry. Uh, Those two guys, we did a couple of interviews with them. You can actually see the... uh, Um, both interviews which are up on the YouTube video because of the way they scheduled the interviews this time around rather than having one long slot they scheduled it for two shorter slots so um, I've mashed them together they're up on as as a video up on the website this is actually the interview from the Sunday that we did with those guys Uh, they're all wonderful and uh, as lovely to talk to as you would hope so um, we've got them coming up first then we've got an interview with the amazing John DiMaggio. Uh, John DiMaggio, for those of you that don't recognise the name, is the voice of Bender on Futurama. And I know not everybody out there will necessarily be a Futurama fan, but he was the funniest interview I think we did whilst we were there. We had some a great time with him. He's brilliant and uh, wonderfully funny, so well worth listening to that interview, whether you like Futurama or not. And the last interview we have coming up is two of the stars from Deadpool 2. That's uh, Brianna Hildebrand and Stefan Kaepernick. Brianna plays Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and uh, Stefan plays Colossus or voices and motion captures for Colossus because obviously he's a CGI character in the film. So um, we've got those three interviews coming up. We're going to kick off with The Walking Dead. So this is Kari Payton, a.k.a. King Ezekiel, and Cooper Andrews, a.k.a. his sidekick, Jerry. They're talking about uh, various things about the show, uh, stuff behind the scenes, all that good stuff. So uh, this is about a 10-minute interview. Here are the guys. In some of your earlier scenes in The Walking Dead, did you feel that the humour that was being injected into your character, were you concerned? I mean, you certainly didn't 
transpired to be the case, but were you concerned that some of that humour might be a bit jarring and out of context with, with the genre that you were working in? What are you trying to say? I was very, I was very <laughs> jarring. No, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I per, yeah, it was, it, was, it was jarring because, I mean, I've been a fan of the show from the beginning, and then I'm reading these sides. I mean, it was like, I was talking to a dog named Santiago, and not Ezekiel, <laughs> like Mr. Like Yoshimaru or something like that, and um, I really was like, it's fruit time. Okay, well, this is just the, the, the fake sides. And then when the real script came out, I'm like, oh, I say all those things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, but when we, when we were shooting it, I was He was, was worried so about nervous. it. I was not. I, I knew that we needed to be the light in the darkness, yeah. you know? And so, uh, and so um, yeah, Cooper was, uh, he, he was a little you know, worried about how it was going to come off. And I kept telling him, Dan, you're doing great. This is going to be awesome. And I saw the, the, the first cut of the, uh, of the, the uh, episode before he did. And I immediately called him and I was like, dude, everybody is going to love you. I cannot wait for you to see it. And he was like, are you sure? Because I was worried about this. And I was like, you got nothing to worry about, man. And, and obviously, you know, he, he just exudes his Cooperness, you know, uh, on, on the screen. And, um, and uh, I'm happy to report that I was exactly right. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> I was, it was one of those times when I'm like, oh, here we go. Like Halloween came and that, that episode was airing. I was like, oh. and then it was when, um, I guess it was when Talking Dead came on and yeah. My phone, which I had notifications for everything, it started, it was at 90% before I watched the episode. And then my pocket started getting like burning up. It started getting really hot. I took my phone out. It was like drained to 20%. And like Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> all the social media is like, oh, all right, so I need to change notifications. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was awesome. I mean, talking about that uh, tension, I guess, between optimism and pessimism, I think obviously the show as it's gone along has kind of um, drifted in different directions. And in terms of the ultimate destiny of this world, do you think that we're heading towards an optimistic place like the kingdom would represent? Or do, do you think that ultimately um, the world of The Walking Dead has to end badly? I mean, I think we've got to be optimistic. About I think we've got to be optimistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like uh, you, you've, only, uh, you, you've only got really... The the, uh, the the winners always end up optimistic, you know. It's uh, and, and honestly, I think that's how you end up winning in the in the first place. You know, the uh, it's um, the, the just like in this this industry, uh, you know, uh, you've got to keep your head up and stay hopeful. You know, and that's how you get to the, this point. I've been doing this for twenty years. People think that I just made it. I made it a long time ago when I decided that this was my passion and this was my energy and I was going to be positive in my outlook. You know, and no matter how many times people told me no you know I, I was gonna I was gonna keep my head up and keep on going and so uh, and so the even even in, in an apocalypse you know it's so the people keep their head up and stay positive at the end of the day those are the people that are gonna that are gonna be uh, winning we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take Carl's positiveness yeah. and take take it all away we're gonna bring it to that game tomorrow absolutely your character has had some some quite strong emotional scenes with Millicent McBride's mm. character. Um, do you think now that the shadow of war is over, that the writers are going to develop that the characterization, well, their relationship a bit deeper? I suppose you got more time to do that. If uh, you know, if you're not constantly, uh, you know, looking over your shoulder and, yeah. and uh, you know, and uh, firing shots, but uh, but yeah, I suppose um, you know, time will tell, and and we'll uh, we'll just have to see. Whenever I think they're going to zig, they end up zagging. Yeah. You know, we'll all have to tune in I mean, in I've, October. I've been shipping it since you know 2016, so you know, we'll see how this. <laughs> 
Yes, sir. He has, he has been he has been shipping pretty hard. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think of a lot of ships, lots of shipping. Yes, what, exactly. What have your fan interactions in London been like? Have you seen any really impressive cosplays or encountered a particularly memorable fan? Uh, you know what? My my most memorable fans have been my my Teen Titans fans. Yeah. Actually, my tiny little Teen Titans fans dressed up as Beast Boy and uh, and Starfire Ravens. and Raven. <laughs> they get a lot. I mean, some amazing Raven costumes have come through. Yeah, it's I've been, been, uh, been like, pretty good. We had a whole family of uh, the kingdom that yeah. came through. The tiny cutest little Jerry <laughs> came through. It was pretty awesome. I missed them. They were there the Friday. It was a little Oh, scary. yeah, that's right. I, I tweeted back at them. I was like, I'm so sorry. I won't be there. Yeah, but, you know, it, we've got to make this TV show first. Yeah. And then we come to do the, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's important. Yeah, that, that whole thing. <laughs> The King is this great oratory kind of theatrical figure in The Walking Dead, and mm -hmm. both of your characters are quite invested in that story. Mm -hmm. What do you think the role is of having that fantasy within The Walking Dead universe? Well, I don't think it's a yeah. fantasy. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even think it's a role anymore. It's yeah, like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's who we are. It's how we uh, how yeah. we overcome the darkness, you know, in a uh, in this uh, this crazy world where, where, like we said, there's dead people walking around. Yeah, there are mm -hmm. dead people walking, eating people, people shooting like we have these you know this BMX armor you know we would get these messages like, that's not going to stop bullets it's like we didn't think bullets were the thing we had to worry about <laughs> right I thought things were going to bite us yeah again Carl could have used some chest protection exactly yeah. Would have, dude, yeah. if he'd have had, on, had yeah. on a little bit of a kingdom armor yeah that would have been I mean that was just right there boom right yeah. there I'm telling a little you softball we got I mean, a little strap on. thing yeah. going right there catcher like, yeah, no, no. I think fun. it's testament to your performances that some people do get confused and think it's a documentary <laughs> Exactly. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you woke up tomorrow and it was the zombie apocalypse, what would be your Z day plan? What would be the plan? My, my, huh. I, mean, I would, I would probably head to work. REI. Yeah, you know, get 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 uh get get some camping equipment. Maybe uh maybe head to uh, also a sporting goods place. Yep. You know, go ahead and armor up. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. I definitely start going my dreadlocks. Yeah, that would be the time. <laughs> first thing first. I would make sure I have a lot of oil for my hair. Make mm -hmm. sure so it's nice and slick all the time. Absolutely. Um, I would probably make sure if like I would have just lots of my weapon of choice would be six machetes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just Absolutely. get stuck in one. Hey, look. Backups. Yeah, there you go. go. Cobbler, lots of cobbler. Lots of cobbler. <laughs> yeah. Make sure we got like yeah, a, a nice hot oven. Yeah, I'd carry yeah. a trailer of like a fruit tree. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Different it. kinds of cobblers. Of course. Yeah. Seasonal. All about it. Yeah. Are any of you fans of the comics and um, have read the comics before the TV show? You know, I hadn't read the comics before the TV show, and uh, and uh, I started reading the comics and we got very into them, and uh, I ha had to learn to divorce myself from the TV show and the comic because because the, the characterizations, you know, uh, yeah. actually kind of threw me off a little bit because they do kind of zig and zag away from the uh, the, the comics. So so uh, I although I love them, I have to take it with a grain of salt when I'm thinking about the role. Yeah. And I, I, I was a fan of the show. I didn't know it was a comic. I mean, I knew, I mean, I did know before I was on it, but um, it's one of those things where I... Um, I like watching the movie, and then once I know that movie's done, I'm gonna start reading. Right, it's right, the right. same with me for the comics. Like it's, yeah, it's not like a. It was pretty I love cool. Comics, I yeah, it was say. pretty cool to see that first scene with Carol and and uh, and and Ezekiel, and then to read the uh, the scene with um, 
Michonne and, and Ezekiel in the in the comics and see that it was almost verbatim. Yeah. It was kind of amazing to see that. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> Dude, one from the cowboy. Come yeah, on, come on. You can't dress like that and not have something. Ready. I find watching The Walking Dead, uh, it got to the point. I don't know. You feel the same way about watching it, but do you feel like you got depressed? You know, because there's people dying all the time. Did you get anxiety from watching? Well, you know what? It's uh, it, it it does give you anxiety, and it, and uh, they they kind of sew you up, sew up your heart just so they can rip it out again. But uh, but I think that's what we love about the kingdom. Yeah. Is that, uh, it's that it's despite the darkness, you know, uh, you fight through it, you know? And I think that's why people keep watching. Yeah. I've brought, have so many people who have tattooed and yet I smile on their arm, on their back, on their, you know, come and, and, uh, and it's, and it's like, despite, you know, the, their cancer treatment, their depression, their just hardship in life or whatever. I, they're, they're like, they're like, you smile through it. The King smiles through it. I smile through it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. Then, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the thing about how I think of the show, I mean, it's kind of like, do you get a dog, you know? And not that we're dogs, just saying, or we're not dogs. I'd like to be as cute as a dog. But I'm saying is that, uh, you know, you have 12, 15 years with one, um, and then you still have this whole life. And with the TV show, I mean, there's so many times where you do a role, and then they're like, I'm going to go off and work on that in that camp in, like, uh, you know, in South America, so I won't be on the show anymore. It's like, I but they're gone right. regardless, you know, and it's the same thing. I kind of like the, I like that finality when it's like, okay, they're definitely never coming back. <laughs> they are gone. Yeah. 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 yeah there's, so there's something. Oh, no, I like and we that always completion. see him at the cons, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, you know, then it's like, Oh, what are you working on? It's like, Oh, that massive movie. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not sweating. Perfect. That must be so exactly. Nice yeah. How happy you must be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get, uh, you get put through the, the ringer on this show, man. Yeah. It's hot and nasty and sweaty and you love it. Yeah. There's but, never uh, a day where I don't have an injury from that show. <laughs> I get injured somehow in like some minor way. It's like, Oh, where'd that come from? Right. Whatever. You yeah, know, exactly. that's just, that's the nature of the show. Mm. Like, I was just going to say, being working on a zombie show for so long and getting so involved in it, do you now just dream zombies? I have never dreamt a zombie. I haven't. No. I have never dreamt a zombie. And I think I've fired on the show, I think I've fired on more more people than I have zombies on this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we, we came in when it was really about the fight with the yeah. people more than with the zombies. And, uh, and uh, I was really excited actually, uh, even though it was one of the most gut-wrenching scenes was when, when Shiva died, but it was also uh, I, I, I killed like four uh, walkers yeah. in a row and I was like, finally! Yeah. <laughs> I get to, you know, I get, I get to, uh, you know, uh, uh, save the day for, um, for uh, 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 Cooper and Jerry just a little bit, you yeah. know, uh, after he uh, you know splits that one dude in two. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I like that moment. I mean, I, I almost passed out five times during it, but you know, I These, like yeah, that. yeah. It was hot and it was muggy and it was awful and it was awesome. Yeah, great boot camp of the episode. Absolutely. <laughs> We're gonna let you go and get a shower and maybe a massage and a rest. <laughs> yes, yeah. You need the oils. I, yeah, yeah, dude. I, yeah, yeah. What, where's the massage? That's awesome. <laughs> So that was Kari Payton and Cooper Andrews from The Walking Dead. Hope you enjoyed that one. Next up, we have the wonderful John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio is the voice of Bender. He's also done, I think, some stuff on Adventure Time, which he touches on in this as well. Uh, so Bender in Future Armor, Adventure Time. He actually voices a load of other things. He's also doing Matt Goering's new show, 
which is called Disenchantment, which is a sort of, he explains it as sort of, you know, Futurama meets Game of Thrones. That's coming to Netflix later on in the year. So that's another one to watch out for if you're a fan of like Futurama and The Simpsons and all Matt Goering's other things. So uh, that'll be one to watch out for. Here's the interview with John DiMaggio. He was hilarious and uh, wonderful firm. He did a bunch of different Futurama voices as well as obviously a lot of Bender stuff. So um, here's the interview with John. I'll see you afterwards for the last interview. It's amazing to have you back. Oh, thanks. Um, we love talking to you yesterday a little bit about Bender and uh, the origins of that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also given us some of the best lines I've ever heard on any TV show ever. Um, yeah. And I'm sure fans, when they come up, tell you their favorites. Have you got favorite ones? And what are the ones you get most requested? Um, well, the, the catchphrase, uh, bite my shiny metal ass, is uh, really the one that I think everybody, everybody really loves that one. Um, but, you know, uh, cheese it, you know, with, you know, to... When Bender runs away, and uh, gosh, there's others. Um, I mean, that story I told, that story I told yesterday about you know, you know, walking past the window, all uh, Batman '66, and you know, lose some, you know, get a room, you two. We're in a room. What I lose some weight. You know, this is one of my favorites. Um, but but there's oh, you know. And when you know Bender's uh, Bender's should not be allowed on TV. You know yeah. the, the the whole spe- the whole touching speech about how you know sometimes when you know you know Bender just gets all really sweet and wonderful and then basically says to hit your kids. You know <laughs> just pummel them really, which is kind of ridiculous. But everybody always has something to say, and, and you know that's that's different. But mostly, I'm lucky because it's just straight up bite my shiny metal ass and that gets him every time which is you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny so Bender likes to think of himself as someone who doesn't care about anyone but whenever you put him in a situation where there's sort of orphans involved or someone in need he actually can't help himself but care yeah it's interesting because he was I mean it, the introduction of the show he, he was such a narcissist and and just was so self-centered and I think him having Fry and and their growing friendship, you know, throughout the show and the series, I think that changed him a lot and kind of uh, you know, and and you know that's one of those things about a show that gets that that gets to have the life that it had, um, you know, that the, the characters the characters will change and and you know over time and 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 you know grow and I think Bender grew. It grew a lot um, as far as that's concerned about you know, caring about other people and uh, and uh, and especially orphans. And, you know, he, he would he, he, I think he fell in, he fell in love a bunch of times. Um, but his growing friendship with Fry, I think, has everything to do with it. Um, and, you know, I mean, his funkometer changed, you know, his funkometer got a little he got a little more funkier as the show went on, you know. Put a little more soul in it, yeah, you know, a little that kind of thing, you know, you know, like you know when he's walking out of when he's walking out of the courtroom, uh, you know, after getting busted for pimping, you know, just we love you, Bender. Shut up, baby. I know it. You know that that stuff, and that's that's really kind of just like, oh yeah, baby. And you know when he's fooling around with the femputer and Amazon women on the moon, on the moon, and you know got to fool around with B. Arthur, you know, one of the Golden Girls, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I had I was actually recording with with B. Arthur and telling her, "Oh yeah, baby, give me some of that." And then you don't really normally get to do that with B. Arthur, so it's kind of, you know, it's very funny. But yeah, Bender, uh, yeah, his narcissism, yeah, it was totally totally narcissistic, but it 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 starts to fade as the show grows. So when will we get to see another dose of Bender? When will we get to see another dose of Bender? You know, that's a good question because uh, we did that mobile game recently. And in order to promote it, we did a basically a radio show of Futurama. And it was and it was interesting because it was it was it was uh, it it cost less to do because there was no animation involved. so, but it was longer than a normal episode. So, if if we do another mobile game, which I'm sure can happen, we may do another, you know, uh, a radio show to promote the uh, to promote the game again. So, I don't know. I haven't been approached for anything, but I with this show and the amount of times it's been canceled, I don't even know. <laughs> you, you whatever. I'm uh, you know anything can happen. So I, I'm uh, fingers crossed. Knock on wood carry a rabbit's foot do whatever you got to do because that's, uh, that's really it apart know. from yourself like who's the greatest voice actor <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I know but the greatest voice actor is Mel Blanc um, period he wrote the book he's he's the master um, right now uh, I'd say the best and best in the biz Frank Welker Billy West Maurice LaMarche um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, we got some got some guys here that are, that are top top notch. Jim Cummings and Jess Harnell. Um, you know, but but it, it all depends on what you like. It's subjective. So I mean, you know, some people might just be like, hey, John Demand, you're sick of that guy. I don't know. You know, I mean, who knows? But thank you for the compliment. But I just I don't. Know. I think the show got cancelled when I came back. Did you notice any change to? Um, the, the way it was written. No, uh, none. Did you focus none. It, it, it made me angry. It ma- I'll tell you this. It made me angry when fans would say, well, it's different. It's, di- it's not the same. It's, uh, you know, the, the writing is different and all that. Yeah, it's, no, it's, that's all BS. It's all nonsense. Same writers. In fact, if there were new writers, they were the writing assistants that became writers on the show, which is true. But everybody had the pedigree. Everybody had the Simpsons pedigree, which is interesting about the new show that we're doing, Disenchantment for Netflix. Um, a ton of Simpsons and Futurama alumni, um, and 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 you know when you work with people like that, they have it's a well-oiled machine. So you know that that it, it, Futurama was basically uh, Matt's baby when he did it and we just it was easy i mean for me like there's just the clockwork that at at which the show worked it it was it was amazing um and it it was just a it was a solid formula from the get-go because they'd already done all the homework with the simpsons so the, the, the 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 framework was just perfectly laid out for us. What can you tell us about Disenchantment? Uh, what can I tell you about Disenchantment? I, I said something yesterday, and it, and I, it came back to 
bite me in the ass on Twitter. <laughs> Somebody totally quoted me as saying, you know, and it's true. It, it, and I don't even know if I'm supposed to say anything um, except that it's except that no, I, I haven't really signed anything. But 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 I'm not going to tell anybody like what the like the names of the characters are. I'm playing the king or a king, um, and uh, and and the, the the show is basically you know if the Simpsons fornicated with Game of Thrones, and that's really I mean it's really. You know, I mean, and that's my way of saying it. I mean, I don't know. It's I don't know if that's Netflix approved or not, but you know, hopefully, I'll, you know, I won't get canned because of it. Because you can't say that. You know, well, yeah, you can, because um, it's kind of true. You know, but it's it's really uh, it's timely and it's really, 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 really funny. And you know, even though it's on Netflix. It's still it's 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 not filthy. It's not just, you know, it's not like, hey, Matt Grady wants to say the F word. You know, it's not it doesn't have any. No, it's not. It's not that. Um, but it's it's brilliant. They, they can they could be they could be filthy without being filthy. They get it. They know how to do it. Um, and exactly. So that's that's the thing. And that's that's it's really cool. It's and it's really funny and it looks great. Like, you know, that's the one thing like that's different from doing an actual television show where you're on a set and you're you're acting the lines in front of a camera as opposed to doing a, 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 an animated show, because you don't know what it looks like until you you're you're in post-production and you come in to do like ADR possibly, you know. And, and so um, so, the, I mean, and I've seen this stuff and it's oh. It's just great. It's just really great. And Matt's character design is just so, it's just, it's, it's great. You know, it's just fantastic. So I can't wait for everybody to see it. But the Simpsons or his previous work, would we recognize it or is it? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's very clear. And you totally recognize it. And people like, I saw something on Twitter. God, Twitter is just, oh man. (laughs) The people were just like, oh, it looks like The Simpsons. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's the same guy drawing. You know, it's the same guy drawing it. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Like, it's I don't know. It, people sometimes <laughs> ding dongs, but whatever. It's all good. It's it's a funny show, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. So Futurama's had a whole bunch of celebrities, historical figures. Anyone is fair game to bring in as a guest star. If Bender could have anyone as his next romance, who would you bring on? Ooh. If we were still doing Futurama and Bender had a shot at, I'd want to. I'd want to have my wife doing it, <laughs> so I don't get in trouble. Man. Good that's answer. What, yeah, that's a good one, right? <laughs> Dodge the bullet on that one, man. Um, no, I mean, you know, it, I mean, that's really fun. Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu, I had in a jar. And, and, uh, and my wife did an episode of Elementary with her, and, and she was just my my husband says hello from <laughs> in, from inside. You know, you, you were inside his body, and she was just like, "What?" <laughs> Bender, if you turn, she'd be like, "Oh my god, that was so much fun." Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I'm gonna be safe and save my wife. Kate Miller has done. <laughs> um, so, self-aware robots are a bit of a mainstay of pop culture so you've got Bender, Terminator robots from Star Wars do you have any favourite fictional robots apart from Bender? The uh, let's see I don't know, I always like the old Lost in Space with the danger Will Robinson <laughs> danger um, liked him 
Oh, God. What other robots? Watch a lot of Westworld. Those are, yeah, those are... Oof. That's some crazy... Those are some crazy robots. Uh, who else? Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. You guys remember that? No, no, but I'm, yeah, I'm aging all of you. Yeah, you did just make that one up. Woo, no, that's not true. Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. It was this show. It was an animated show. It was, I mean, no, it was an animated show. It was a live action show um, from like the late 50s, early 60s from Japan. And it was this you know, big. It, no, you got, no, Google that, man. Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. I loved that show when I was growing up as a kid. It was great. He shot missiles from his hands and fly around on the robot. It was awesome. You got, no, I can't even explain it. It's too much. Yeah, I like the robot from Johnny Sacco. Yeah, I totally remember that. Boom, right there. Came back. I've been talking about awesome characters. The great thing about the world, the universe of Futurama, is the supporting characters and the ones that have reoccurred along the way. Yeah. Um, can you talk about some of your favorite? And obviously, I mean, you guys get to provide the voices for a lot of them, you know. One of my favorite, actually, I mean, I, I love playing Bender, but my, my favorite character from Futurama is Zoidberg. <laughs> Why not Zoidberg? <laughs> I'm not hearing a no. It's one of my, I mean, it was so fun. Well, when we did the show, everybody loved Zoidberg. And, and you know, and, and Billy doing the voice of Zoidberg was just absolutely brilliant. And and I would just mimic him constantly, just to try and get some dueling Zoidbergs going, you know. <laughs> la, 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 la. And he's like, oh, are you going to eat that sandwich? You know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's he's uh, hands down one of my favorites. I love Zoidberg. Um, but as far as like recurring character, like characters that would come back and for, there was um. Mayor Poopenmeyer always <laughs> cracked me up. And he had this kind of a voice where he was talking. It was Dave Herman that did it, who also plays Scruffy, who's also one of my favorites. <laughs> Scruffy, the janitor. <laughs> um, but Dave Herman, you know who he is. David Herman is uh, Michael Bolton in uh, Office Space, <laughs> that actor. He's also on like Bob's Burgers and, and uh, King of the Hill. He's been, he's been doing, he was a mad TV uh, uh, cast member, um, as was Phil Lamar, who was, you know, who was also in the show as Hermes. Um, and the original Leela, uh, was, uh, Nicole uh, Sullivan, who was on Mad TV and they replaced her with Katie. Interesting trivia. Mm -hmm. There you go. John, you're part of a particularly comedic duo in Lego Star Wars The Freemaker Adventures, and I wondered what your experience was working on that project. Uh, Star Wars? Yeah. That was with uh, uh, Danny Jacobs. Yeah. Me and Danny Jacobs playing the... the, the, the Yeah, Bash and Ram. Well, the interesting thing about that is the guys that, the guys that wrote and, and, and produced that were guys that worked on um, Penguins of Madagascar. And Danny and I worked on Penguins in Madagascar together. He was, uh, he took over the, the voice of King Julian and I was Rico, the regurgitating penguin, which was actually a lot of fun because I would try and make the voice director barf in the studio <laughs> because I had to make a lot of those noises. And if you're, you know, if you're doing vomit noises you can get people to <laughs> it's that thing where you know if you just oh my god 
Uh, people, <laughs> if they look at you, they start, oh, don't do, oh, oh, and it just, yeah, and then it just, yeah, forget it. It's all, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a downhill spiral <laughs> from there. But that's, that, yeah, that was a lot of fun working with, Danny's a great guy, and it was, it was, uh, it was totally a lot of fun doing that. It was, it was a blast, and, and, yeah, I, I work with Danny in a heartbeat. He's great. And and the guys that did the show, they're, they're fantastic. You touched a bit on the emotional journey that Bender went through in Futurama, but with um, Adventure Time with yes. Jake. Yeah. Um, and also there was some fan backlash when it went from singular episodes to more involved, in-depth storylines that touched quite quite a few difficult subjects especially for a children's show how did you feel that your um your growth as jake in that show went um it's interesting uh jake's jake's journey um i can i can i can tell you i can tell you this the character you know the character grew on me the story the, the the universe of who was difficult for me to navigate, trying to figure it out. Um, but Jake himself was, that was, a, that was okay. That was, that was easy. The themes, I think the, 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 the adult sort of themes on, on, in, in a children's cartoon, I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes you just got to break the ice. Um, you know, and and yeah, people kind of were a little, uh, you know, ups, upset or you know, kind of shaken, taken aback. But I don't know the 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 show itself. Well, I don't think it was really supposed to be like a like a like a kiddie show. It was kind of a, just the, this this world that anybody could kind of watch, you know, and and enjoy. Um, you know, and I, and I've been to so many conventions and met so many fans of the show and they're all ages. So I think that, you know, any kind of heavy themed episodes or, or, you know, through lines through, you know, um, multiple episodes, um, I, I think they were, I think they were handled well by, by us, but I'm sure that. That, that there were kids that watched that had many questions or at least were just, you know, they, they, they realized it. I, I think in general, if you talk down to children, they know it. But if you bring kids into the, if you bring kids into the fold and you talk to them um, and you, and you, and you encourage them to relate to what's happening, they, they get it. So, and I, I don't think we ever talked down to kids. We weren't, you know, like, hey, we're going to do a show. And no, they, they, and in my experience, you know, they, they, the kids don't like that. You know, they want, they want to laugh at the same time the adults do. They want it. They want to be emotional. They want, they, they're keyed into that. They, they're, they're much more pure and less jaded than we are. So I don't know. I, I think Jake grew in the show, just like Bender grew in the show. I think that that's the thing. If you have the, if you have the room to move to grow, then you do, um, and that's also what propels the stories that we tell. So, I hope that answered your question. You did, sir. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Thank you. 
Do you feel a bit of Bender slipped into Jake? I think a bit of me slipped into both of them. You know what I mean? Not in the biblical sense. <laughs> but, you know, I think um, it's impossible to, to not have something, you know, something of your own, you know, be a, a part of a character. Um, and I'm sure, you know, and Bender is that, you know, he, he, he's up in here. He's sort of in the back, in the back of my, like his voice, it bounces off the back of my skull and then back into my mouth. And Jake is really, um, Jake is just my natural voice, but with a hug around it, <laughs> you know, just like a nice warm blanket. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's always going to be something that, that you can, you can hear. I mean, nobody's perfect. Uh, we try to be, but it's in, and the more you try, the more you kind of put yourself in a corner. Um, but yeah, I th yeah, I, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of everybody and everybody. And obviously, one of the ways that the meme culture and and their own yeah. kind of creations are in mashups and things like that. Um, do you have favorites of their particular gifts or, or uh, memes? All, all, all of the fry. All the fry memes are so awesome. I I love that. Uh, that the, it cra it cra it, the, those those really really kill me. Um, and and Billy originally had no idea what the memes meant or what they were or how culturally significant that they were that they were at the time. And now he is all over it like white on rice. It's so funny. Like he's just like. It's like, wow, man, I love these memes. This is amazing. Um, but no, Fry's memes are definitely, definitely my favorite. That's always, that's always awesome. That's always awesome. Do you have favorite versions of some of the most popular ones, like the shut up and take my money or the, or the not sure if one seems the, the to be? Not, the not sure if ones are, the, the, those are the, those are money. Those are absolutely, and those are the ones that he didn't figure, he couldn't figure out. Like he didn't understand. So, so, but then when he figured it out, he was like, oh, I get it. I, now I understand. And yeah, those, those are the ones that are the best. Those are the ones that are the best. So you're, saying, so you're saying legitimately Fry was not sure if when he was thinking about the notion. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. No, literally. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Given everything's better if you put more Bender in it, if you could take any TV show and, however inappropriate, add Bender to, as a character to it, oh, what would wow. you do? Oh, um, okay. How about... Um, okay. I, put, let's put Bender in Westworld. Westworld, why not? <laughs> Death to all humans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'd kill everybody. He wouldn't even know. He'd kill all the other... All the other uh, Oh, the the hosts, he'd kill all the, he'd kill everybody. He'd be like, I don't know who's who. <laughs> You're all going to die, baby. <laughs> you know, just a slaughter fest. Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be great. That'd be really funny. <laughs> or The Walking Dead, why not? You know, just like, ooh. So you're dead already? Wait, I don't get it. You're a real meat bag, you know. Sure, Bender could fit in anywhere. Sure, absolutely. Soap opera or Telemundo, telenovela, you know. It's just like, ooh, ah, yo soy un macho. Hermano. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the nicest sounds in the entire world is Bender's I'm up to no good laugh. 
Yeah. <laughs> talk about what I like. Um, you know what? It's funny because when I would do that, I would always crack up David X. Cohen, um, which is great. When you can make the boss laugh, that's always that's always awesome. Um, but it was just basically just like a. It was really just like a tee hee 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 hee, like literally just like and they just like, well, go for it, you know, and they, you know, sneaky laugh. They would, you know, they did. It, it, it'd be in parentheses, sneaky laugh. So I would just, you know, think to myself, oh, sneaking around, just like, <laughs> you know, just, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just being silly, you know. And then they, they, I mean, then they had other stuff for me to do, like, you know, um, they, they would put in, they would make me whistle as Bender, but they would also say, you can't make it sound like any other song. So I had to make up, like, a song that didn't exist and yet not be musical about it, but whistle. So it's like, well, what, what kind of <laughs> narrow path are you sending me? So that's why when you hear Bender whistle, <laughs> that's all it was. But that, that became that then they, they were just like, Oh, but kind of hum along. Yeah. I mean, we want you to hum along now, but don't be musical. And that's what, that's when I was, when I started going, and then, and that was, that was called the bender strut. And they would, they would just go bender strut and they would let me just do it because I came up with it. And what's great is that, uh, I got into the composers union. <laughs> because because I wrote those songs. That was me that wrote those songs. So every time they get played, I get a check from ASCAP, which is like you know the, the songwriters union in in the United States. I think it's here too as well. But yeah, but yeah, I get a check from you know Bender Strut, you know Bender Whistle, like yeah, a couple of hundred bucks. I'm like yeah, all right, man. Yeah, I'm a songwriter. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Oh, I know that. We, we, we have to let you go. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So that was the interview with John DiMaggio, the wonderful voice of Bender in Futurama. Next up, we have our last interview, which is with two of the stars of Deadpool 2. They are Brianna Hildebrand and Stefan Kaepernick. Brianna plays Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and uh, Stefan is the voice and motion capture artist for Colossus. We've actually spoken to Stefan before. It's the first time we've had a chance to speak to Brianna. They were both lovely. Uh, we interviewed them a couple of times. This is actually, I think, the interview from the Sunday. If you want to see both interviews, they're squashed together into a longer format. You can find that up on the YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com forward slash geektown. Here's the interview with Brianna and Stefan. I'll do a few little air dates at the end as well, because some people have been requesting that even if we do these special shows, I put air, air dates in as well. So I'll put some air dates on at the end as well for you. Here's the interview with Brianna and Stefan. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
Guys, it's great to have you back with us. Uh, obviously, been in the con for a little bit of time now. Um, yeah. What have you seen? What is going to stay with you in the back of your mind till the end of your days? What, what, what's been the most interesting stuff you've seen here at Comic Con? Um, I saw a lot of Negasonics, which is really <laughs> sick. It's like really cool. Um, and yeah, other than that, I really didn't see much this time. I was just sitting at my table for a while. But <laughs> yeah, seeing the Negasonics is really cool and made my day. Well, for me, the same thing, seeing a lot of Negasonic. Well, but on the other side, it's it's really amazing Comic-Con, and people here are so humble and, and, and so cheerful, and, you know, it's something that doesn't happen that often, you know. So I really have fun. It's my second MCM London, and, you know, I always come here so happy, and I'm leaving happy, which is really important. So, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, of course, London, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, so... That combination, all right. <laughs> yeah. For the next Deadpool, as much as you like London, would you like to be filmed in London? So that would be sick. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, not just Deadpool. Like anything filmed in London is beautiful. So yeah. And then again, I would like to go maybe to Birmingham and do some Peaky Blinders. Never know. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. That's an awesome show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that you're wearing a Darkwing Duck. Oh, yes. And I have Venom here, too. So, yeah. Have you managed to go and speak to Jim Cummings? Unfortunately, I didn't, oh. but I would love to. You know, it's it's so overwhelming. Lots of people here that I meet, that I know, and, you know, talk with some of them. Then you have to go back and do the signings. And so it, it's just time-wise, it wasn't possible. But I'm going to see him definitely again. Uh, David Leach mentioned that he's working on some kind of director's cut where he might put like 12 minutes back into the film, uh, potentially for the home release. Is there any scenes that you shot that aren't in the theatrical release that you would like to see that? There's a particular scene in the kitchen with Negasonic and Yukio that I thought was pretty funny that didn't make the cut, so I hope that's in there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll... Well, I was just going to say, I mean, on that point, I know you've spoken before about the fact that you've had um, a lot of LGBT teens coming up to you and sort of talking about what it means for you to have a character out in the Marvel Universe on screen finally. I'm curious, has there been any specific, uh, you know, meetings like that that have really, you know, meant a lot to you, the stories people have shared, what it means to that? Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, each, each person that's come up to me like expressing how important Negasonic is to them has been you know it's been an individual story that's been really special um one one girl in particular told me that after she saw Deadpool and uh, Negasonic and Yukio together that she came out to her dad which I thought was super cool um and really nice yeah if you were to miraculously get your own superhero powers what would your powers be and would you actually be heroes or would you be villains (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna lie i might be a villain uh and i might choose a really lame power like being invisible so i could just like spy on people i think that would be sick or like (laughs) cut in line amazing well, I would first get those powers, then I would decide. But generally, I would love to have Professor Xavier's powers. That's kind of really, really powerful and you know, beautiful. But then again, like my first, you know, my first thought about power when I was when I was a kid, I would I always wanted to fly, you know, like Superman, so like super strength and 
to be able to fly was some, some sort of a dream when I was a kid. But then again, nowadays, I think I would stick with Professor Xavier and mental powers. If you could choose, <laughs> yeah. if you could choose, would you choose X-Force or X-Men to join? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I would Man. stay, well, we're generally both X-Men, so, you know, X-Force is a something that you can be addition to, but X-Men is X-Men. I'm a huge fan of X-Men franchise generally in the comic books, so I would always go with X-Men. Right. I'm going to agree to that so I don't get in any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any projects coming up that you can tell us about? Um, just recently I finished filming a short film for Awesomeness TV, which should be on YouTube in a few months, I think. Um, that's about it for now but I can have that <laughs> yeah I'm going to be in the fourth season of Better Call Soul mm-hmm. and yeah that's coming that's coming out in August I cannot say much about it <laughs> uh, then again I have a show that's coming on Netflix which is produced by Tim Miller and it's coming like later this year so you're going to see a lot of me in the future and we'll see what's going to happen with the Deadpool and Next Force franchises and yeah. For now, this. Yeah. <laughs> What's the atmosphere like um, shooting Deadpool? Is there a lot of ad lib, improv? Do you guys really stick to the script? Is it really like funny environment? How does it feel actually shooting the movie? Yeah, it's a really funny environment. I think uh, Ryan adds a particular like excitement to the set. Um, but usually, at, at least from my experience, uh, we'll stick to the script, which sometimes is changed up to the last minute. You know, Ryan's always really particular, and we'll do that a few times. And then, uh, you know, we'll always have a few sessions that are just improv or just whatever, because those things seem to be, they seem the most natural, you know? So, yeah. And the good thing is that Ryan is one of the writers in that book, too, by the way. So you always have rep and Paul with him, the other two writers. And, you know, so you do the things that are already in the script, but then you have this time in which you just improvise with them and they're like, you know, feeding you with lines or ideas. So then you can experiment and you can improvise. A lot of those things just disappear later, but a lot of things come into the movie. So it's just, it's, it's just a beautiful project when you have writers and Ryan with you and those guys are so fast and, and so funny. So it's a beautiful process. Is your experience very different from the other people on set, do you feel like your experience is very different from the other people on set since it's not like your face? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, because uh, this is for me, it was it was really difficult in the beginning because I was, I'm not used to doing like the CGI and the voice all simultaneously at the same time and doing like all the scenes. But in the end, it, it comes back to the same thing as everybody else, you know, because you're just like doing it's not just ADR and you're like feeding the lines. You just need to like do all the scenes which are already filmed or are filming. So, you know, but the beauty is that you're creating that, that CGI character in so many ways. So it's a new thing that I know now and I'm really proud of that. Would you like to see any of your characters partner up with somebody from DC? Like, or, <laughs> what? Would you like to see somebody from DC? When the worlds collide. <laughs> I would be like, well, I want to see Colossus go 
directly against the Justice League <laughs> by himself. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I'm a, well I, I don't want to lie. I'm the first, my first love was always DC, was DC in the beginning, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. So I started with those characters and then I got into Marvel. So Marvel is my second love in a way, but I stayed I was faithful to them till till today. But then again, I love to watch all the things that, and to read DC comics because I think the comics are much better than the movies. Unfortunately for them, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's, I would go against if I need to choose. For me, Joker is maybe the best villain of all time, and you know, it would be interesting to see you know how Joker Joker would like go against Colossus and so it's it's it, that would be a beautiful thing there is like one comic book in which you have Marvel versus, versus DC I have that one and it's really beautiful where would, you like, where would you like your characters to go in the, in the next film like what would you like for them to happen what, what storyline would you like to see uh, I honestly have no idea. And also, I feel like uh, every time I wish for something specific, maybe it doesn't happen <laughs> or the opposite happens. Um, I remember, I know that we switched directors for the second film, but I remember after the first film was over, Tim was like, wouldn't it be great if your character was a villain next next time? And I was like, that would be sick. Yeah, sure. Why not? And that's definitely not the way that it went. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a very good answer for that. Yeah, you never know. Maybe next one. Yeah. I would love to see Ileana and Piotr come together. That's one of the things I would like to see in the future. And I would like to see Kitty Pride as Colossus Love Interest somewhere in the future. Then again, as, as, as a geek, as a fan, I would like to see all Marvel Universe together in a way, you know, going against maybe Galactus next time because Thanos is already in progress. He's busy. Yeah, he's busy. <laughs> there are like so many beautiful arcs and there's so many amazing stories. I would we just, I just need like a great director and, you know, and great writers. So we had characters. Well, what were your initial thoughts? Um, that the movie was R-rated when the first one came out, so it was the second one. Um, and no one really knew what was going to happen to have a superhero movie that was R-rated. What were your initial thoughts, and what did you think after it came out with success, even though it was R-rated? Um, you mean the first one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I remember reading the script initially and knowing that it was special. Um, personally, I never was super into comics or anything, but I just remember getting to like maybe page 10 and being like, this is really fun. And like, this is something that I would go and see. Um, and I think, I think everyone was a little nervous, uh, the first time around, I mean, for so many reasons, but, um, you know, I think there was a part of everyone that kind of knew that audiences would love it because it's, it's just so refreshing and new and exciting. Um, so yeah. And, and then it, and then it did exceptionally well, which was amazing. And to my surprise a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. That one needs to be outrated. That's yeah. You just can't have PG 13. That point. You that pool, then you, you would be Spider-Man or, you know, it's just the way that will functions. And that's why, you know, Thank God for that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, on that point, Deadpool has given us some of the most creative 
beautiful and shocking uh, expletives ever captured on screen. <laughs> I'm curious, is there a particular insult or a bit of bad language that obviously Colossus wouldn't approve of, but that you particularly enjoy? Do you have a favorite one line either from Ryan or from any of the other characters? There's so many. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> it's Really, I love you know the moment of when they clash Cable and and then and Deadpool and when Cable goes like who are you and he goes I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so brilliant and so beautiful and so funny and like I can like if you ask me that one sentence I just can like I can tell you just the whole script as she said like there's so many of those ones but I'm Batman is something like it's not a swear word but still <laughs> Colossus would approve it. <laughs> Personally, my favorite line that Negasonic has ever said is, fuck, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like having gone from the first Deadpool having a very limited budget for a, for a superhero film to, to the, you know, the, the much more able budget of, the, of Deadpool 2? <laughs> it's crazy yeah I remember stepping into my trailer and being like wow okay we're really doing this and then uh, getting to the set and just I mean just everything it was so much bigger such a bigger production that just the, the equipment even was huge and I remember feeling like super intimidated a little bit like wow we're really fancy now you know I don't know <laughs> I feel weird um but it, you know, it's super cool. It was exciting, obviously, and um, yeah. And we had a chance to afford more X Men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was going to ask, were they actually there, or was that film on a separate set? They were actually there. Yeah. Yeah. With Negasonic and Yukio being the first uh, gay superheroes, especially first female gay superheroes, what is what are your thoughts on like LGBT representation, especially for uh, female roles? Uh, I think it's super important. You know, I think um, maybe if I growing up had seen an openly gay or queer character um, as a superhero, maybe I would have come out sooner or maybe I would have felt, um, you know, more empowered about the things that I'm able to do um, and more comfortable in my own skin. I think those things are really important. And it's something I didn't really um, realize was important before I actually started coming to these conventions and realizing how much superheroes really affect um, people who just generally feel vulnerable, you know, people of all types. And um, yeah, I think it's really important to have that kind of representation. Because, um, you know, as anyone going to the movies, you, you kind of want to see a version of yourself on the screen. Um, and maybe like, it's been so long that we haven't had that, that you don't realize that you want to see a version of yourself on the screen until you do, you know, so. Yeah, I think those things are really important. Yeah. Do you think that is changing? Because obviously that's not really been happening in the past. Like you're saying, it's like when you were growing up, that wasn't there. Right. Do, do you think it's improving in that regard? Or Yeah, I think so. Um, I, think, I think maybe uh, directors, are, directors and writers and just everyone is really understanding kind of more what the audiences want now. <clears throat> so... You know, I think that was a really important step, and I kind of also think that there's no going back from that just because, uh, you know, it is it is what audiences want, and it's cool now, so why not? Yeah. 
Was it really important to you that it wasn't ever a punchline in the film as well? It's, it's something that's acknowledged but not ever treated yeah. in a comedic way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got the email from Ryan being like, hey, we're thinking about giving Nick Sonic a girlfriend. Like, what do you think about that? I was like, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, but also, I just really wanted to make sure that it wasn't a punchline um, also that it, it wasn't defining of Negasonic, that it wasn't like, by the way, this X-Men's gay now and you're not going to see her do anything because this is her being gay, you know? Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I, I voiced that to him. That was important to me. But also knowing Ryan and also Paul and Rhett, I knew, you know, they would be um, smart about it, you know? They're very talented. And so, yeah. I mean, on that point, in particularly the comic universe, we've seen some of the established characters uh, being brought within the LGBT community. And I think there's often a debate amongst people about whether or not um, new characters should be retconned to fit into uh, that community, or we should just create new characters to fill that space. I mean, what are your feelings about that? Do you think that it's good to see established kind of uh, marquee name characters brought into LGBT, or would you like to see new LGBT heroes created? Um, I don't know. I guess that's a hard question for me to answer because I, it was never, I don't know um, a lot of comic book characters even very well, right? So to me, I wouldn't think about those things, whereas I know those things are really important for other people to have their superheroes, you know, represented as they are in the comics. I know that's a big deal for some people. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Stefan, as a fan of the comics, is there any uh, storylines that you hope come to fruition in future films, whether it be Deadpool or X-Force? Or... Oh, wow. You mean like totally generally uh, X-Men universe or like generally? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy for the movies that are coming, especially like with Venom and with Tom Hardy. Like, those are like the things that I really enjoy and waiting for them. So like, you have so many amazing arcs and stories and... and, and I was hoping for Infinity War a long time ago, and it happened, so I would love to see Craven's Last Hunt, for example, you know, or there's like so many things that we can like talk for like a few days, but I'd love to see. But I'm happy with the movies coming, coming, coming out. And I'm waiting for New Mutants, especially to see uh, Magic or Liana, and I'm waiting to see the, the new X-Men, Dark Phoenix. That's an amazing story, so I can't wait to see how it's done. I think obviously there's always been this uh, great relationship between Wolverine and um, Deadpool. Do you think that's, that that's do, you, do you think that's something we're ever going to get to see on screen? Obviously, I mean Hughes leaving the role, but then the character's kind of free now. He's not sort of. You cannot like X Men without Wolverine, or like you know Fastball Special without Wolverine, just because it doesn't work. So, and Wolverine is one of like the most loved characters of all time, and Hugh Jackman did amazing, amazing job, and. I feel kind of bad that he doesn't want to play it anymore. He just, he did it for so long. I'm not sure who would be like the perfect Wolverine now after him. And, you know, I thought that maybe Tom Hardy would be, but now he's Venom. So there are like some choices, but we'll see what's going to happen in the future. Going back to the, um, the topic of diversity, Deadpool is incredibly violent, it's incredibly sweary, it's an R-rated film, and yet at the same time it tackles some really sensitive things like disfigurement, disability, LGBT, etc. How do you think it manages to, to have that tenderness within such a violent film? 
This is a good question. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know, you know. I think um, maybe like knowing that these topics are touchy and approaching them in such a humorous way um, kind of aids that. I think sometimes when you go into talking about something super sensitive and you're a um, little too, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for, cautious maybe, um, it, it might it might not um, feel the, the same in the sense that it feels like a big deal, you know? And I think that's what's cool about Deadpool um, and Negasonic getting to be gay or having a girlfriend is that it doesn't, it really doesn't feel like that much of a big deal, especially because there are all these other things happening that are fun and funny. And, you know, it just happens to be like a side note. Um, and yeah, I don't know, maybe that's how that magic happens. I'm not sure. Yeah, definitely. The magic of Deadpool, you know, everything is so specific. It's like its own genre. It's something that you cannot compare to anything else. That's the beauty of it, you know, because you can expect from Infinity War, from Avengers, a lot of things. But with Deadpool, you never know. Even like we who are in the movie or like working on the movie, we just don't know what's going to happen, you know. So it, it, that's the beauty of this franchise, starting with the first one, and you know, the whole phenomenon that the first Deadpool brought. Is there anything that took you out of your comfort zone in filming? Um. My suit <laughs> for a couple <of> days, <laughs> getting used to that. Uh, I don't really think so, though. I mean, I was honestly just so ecstatic to be there again and like see everyone again. So, yeah, I can't think of a specific time where I was um, uncomfortable about anything. And there's also like a beautiful environment where you can literally voice anything that you're feeling at any time to Ryan or Paul or Red or even David. And it's it's never, I never felt intimidated to do that. You know, there, it's just, it's really chill. Yeah, it's like we're friends. Yeah, it's a beautiful atmosphere. It just, I never felt nothing bad. What's your most memorable moment during production while you were shooting it? Is there anything that... It's the first thing that comes to mind when you're like, oh yeah, I was shooting Deadpool too. That's what happened. First thing that comes to my mind is uh, we were shooting uh, Negasonic uses her powers and I was in wedges and it was a very serious scene and I happened to trip and eat chips <laughs> in front of everyone. That was a, a moment for me, <laughs> especially because it was like an extended take, right? So after that, we were supposed to continue, and I just like stood up, like all serious, like back at it again. It was just, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> for me, definitely, you know, trying to make Colossus swear and say, fuck. <laughs> so, you know, just because Colossus doesn't swear, so this was like a specific scene in which we tried, Ryan was having like so many ideas, should we go with like, you know, him struggling and, you know, doing that, so we did like hundreds of F words in so many ways and so much struggles and that was like the weirdest thing, like trying to just say one word, but because Colossus is not a person that, that would do that except that, you know, it's a dying wish of his friend, so it sounds weird, but it was a beautiful process trying to do that, yeah, it really was. What was your reaction? Uh, well, I remember reading the script and being like, oh, new characters, and then a couple of pages later being like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> 
to be honest with you, I don't think I really actually knew. I didn't get to meet any of them on set, you know. Um, so I don't think I really actually knew. Like, I saw Terry Crews at, I mean, obviously I saw him in the movie, right? But I saw him <laughs> at the after party and I was like, what's up, dude? Like, hey, you're so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's super cool, you know, that like the second time around, um, people like that were even interested, you know? That's like crazy to me. I mean, makes sense, but it's super cool. <laughs> and it's brilliant, you know, even having Brad Pitt for like three seconds is much <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's so beautiful. The twist with them is amazing. And then in, in, in the end, thanks to her, and she's, well, Megasonic make, uh, makes that, that time machine. Yeah, she fixes it, so that will save Peter, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I just yeah. Was there much difference when you were doing the mocap from the first film to the second film? Like, was it you got more comfortable? Or was it? It was much more. It was much, much, much more in the second one because in the first one I had help from a lot of people and the stand-in was doing, doing, doing the other things, but now in the sequel I had to do simultaneously everything from facial expressions to CGI acting and then, of course, ADR all connected. So that took much more time than on the first one. So for me, this was, again, something totally new. But I loved it you know, in so many ways. And I like to say that now I have like one more experience and I can do that. You said you're really eager to um, have Infinity War come to life. Were you trying to get any spoilers from Josh while he was on set? I was I was talking with Josh mainly regarding the the, the, the CGI things and you know uh, the way he portrayed Thanos, which I think it's it's perfect. That's the Thanos that I know when I was a kid that I was thinking how we you know how would behave. So yeah, I asked him a few questions, but you know Josh is such a funny guy and a really really amazing actor that he's just you know those NDA. You yeah. cannot do anything <laughs> against that, trust me. Do you guys think that um, luck is a superpower now? Do you think luck is a superpower? Absolutely yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely yes. And it's brilliant. You know, the superpowers. It's brilliant. And the way Sassy Beats did the role, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, are there any other projects um, or characters that you would like to not necessarily bring to the screen, but just make happen, bring to life? If you could choose, like, no matter the budget, no matter the format, if you could just do whatever you're thinking of, is there something you would want to make? Craven the Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Slavic, so, you know, <laughs> and he's a villain, so, you know, it will be beautiful. <laughs> now I'm feeling like I need to go home and brainstorm about this. <laughs> Get back to me. Yeah, I'll let you All know. Right. Well, on that note, I think it's time to let you go, my friend. So thanks so much. No, guys. come on. Yeah. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting the sign. We can find the sign. Let you go. We're getting the signal. <laughs> Thank you well, so much. So that was the interview with the Deadpool 2 stars. Hope you really enjoyed all the interviews today. We will be back to a normal show next week. A few little air dates for you, just so you're aware of things to look out for on TV next week. Landing on the 29th of May, we've got Arrested Development Season 5 coming to Netflix, so that's all been dropped on there. I'm hearing the reviews aren't particularly great, but uh, it's there if you're an Arrested Development fan and you want to go and watch it. On the 30th of May, also on Netflix, you've got Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Season 4. That's coming. That's the last season of the show, although they are talking about maybe following it up with the movie, but that's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Season 4. America's Got Talent, if you're into your reality talent shows. Season 13 of that is 
is coming on the 31st of May to Netflix, um, which I think it was on True TV before. So uh, that now moved over onto Netflix. It'll be going out weekly on there. And uh, Queen of the South, season two of that, is also on Netflix on the 30th of May. There's a lot of Netflix stuff coming out at the end of the month. And the start of next month as well, actually. Uh, start of next month, you've got 1st of June, You, Me, Her, season three of that is landing on Netflix. Finally, some shows which aren't Netflix ones. Uh, Private Eye season two B, second part of season two of Private Eyes, coming to Universal TV on the 4th of June at 8pm. Over on BBC Two on the 4th of June at 9pm, you've got Versailles, third season of That Lands on there. Over on Amazon Prime, there is a new show called Dietland coming, which lands on the 5th of June. That's uh, from Marty Noxon, who is the person that brought you Unreal, and she was involved in Mad Men and quite heavily involved in Buffy and Angel as well. So uh, amazing, amazing Emmy Award-nominated writer Marty Noxon. Despite whether you think the show will be your sort of thing, it's well worth going to check out Marty Noxon series because they're usually brilliant. And lastly, we have the second part of season three of Our Girl coming to BBC One. That's on the 5th of June at 9pm. That will be arriving. So uh, that's well worth going to watch as well. Michelle Keegan in the lead role for this one, I think. So um, that's all the air dates for shows coming up next week. We will be back for a normal show next week. I think Bex is going to be on, so we will probably talk a little bit about the stuff that went on at MCM in a bit more detail. We'll have more interviews, um, news and all that sort of stuff next week on a normal show. In the meantime, if you want to find us, go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week. There's news going up and, as I said, lots of videos and stuff from MCM, loads and loads of uh, interviews and things because we did a ton of them this year so they're all on geektown.co.uk they're also up on the youtube channel as well so if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram if you like your cosplay pictures lots of them up on there at geektown uk that is everything we will be back to a normal show next week see you then bye bye When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.